Oh yeah. What's up, Kyle? It's Griffin here. Um, I'm a host of the Doe and Elk Productions podcast. Some pretty good shit, man. I'm running right now. I'm fucking sweating. It's a fucking beautiful day to be alive on this Monday. I got work in a couple hours. I work at a shitty mall, but I love fucking doing this podcast, and I really want to fucking help some people. Thank you, man. I love your shit, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Rock and roll. What's up, everybody? That was a message from one of our listeners named Griffin. Thank you for sending that in. I'm coming at you from L.A. right now. I've been bouncing around here, there, everywhere, having a really good time surfing lately. I hope everyone's had a chance to get out and take advantage of all the south swell, but man, it's relentless. never stops. I also got some really good boards recently. Shout out to Malachi from Route One Surfboards. He listens to the podcast and shaped me a couple um, really good boards. Having a good board uh, is it's like a reaffirmation of life. All of a sudden, I feel like, oh my God, I, I don't suck at surfing. The board does whatever I want it to do. I don't need to think about it. Ah, been having a blast. Been having a blast. This episode is with Damien Hobgood. Damien Hobgood is a very well-known professional surfer. He once held the highest total in a heat ever. He got 19.9 out of 20 in 2004 at the Quicksilver Pro in Fiji. Um, He has been in a lot of the best surf movies that I used to masturbate to growing up as a young lad. And uh, he's a classic dude um, who is doing a lot of new stuff now. Here's a quick clip from the conversation. I work for this company called Superlock. It's valves and fittings. It's like high, I basically tell people it's like high end plumbing. I was operating at a bit of a handicap during this conversation. This was recorded the day after I got back from the Bombay Beach Biennale Festival, and I completely lost my voice. So I could only ask questions during this interview. And uh, luckily, Damien is uh, an open open guy and uh you know we got to some good stuff but it was an interesting experience realizing how much i rely on my voice um and how i shouldn't smoke weed late at night during a dusty festival because my vocal cords don't like that thank you so much to tyler garwood for donating to the podcast on Patreon this week. Tyler also sent us a message that I played in a previous episode. He's a Kodiak Bear tour guide, and he listens to the show. Uh, So thank you so much, Tyler. This is an ad-free podcast, and I want to keep it that way, and I rely on people like you for donating. So high five to everyone out there who donates. Um, if you get value out of this podcast, please click the link below Damien's bio on your phone or head over to my website, kyle.surf um, to donate. And I so, so, so appreciate it. All right. Um, let's get this bad boy going. Please welcome to the show. One of my favorite surfers in the whole wide world, Mr. Damien Hobgood. 
Kyle Tierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. How long have you been going to this uh, yoga spot here? Oh, not that long. I just have some friends that go, and, um, uh, you know, as you get older, you got to stretch more. Yeah. But fortunately, I've always been a pretty flexible person. Naturally. So I, um, I don't, sometimes I work on a strength a little more than, um, than say, flexibility. But then again, you know, I always need flexibility also i think there's just that that perfect balance i try to tell people like dude if you're tight don't be hitting the gym every day go stretch do the yoga you know but if you're loosey-goosey then get some strength in there get some strength because yeah it's always that that perfect balance which i feel makes the makes an athlete so deadly yeah what have you had to supplement um, in your life? Has there always been something that you like, oh, I got to work harder at this than other guys? And you say you're naturally flexible. Yeah, that was that was the upside. But, yeah, I mean, I just, I never felt maybe that was as naturally as gifted as a lot of people. So I had to work on my surfing a lot, had to um, train a lot more. I had to really work on, like, getting the best surfboard, knowing that wave. Um, really, I guess we just call it homework. I just had to do a lot of homework to stay in the game. Yeah. Did your equipment change a lot um, after post-CT career as you started surfing big waves more and are kind of doing the thing now? How did that transition happen? Oh, for sure. I mean, it was just... It's, you know, post, post, it would be considered postpartum surf career, surf CT career. Um, I don't even know what, I think that word is the right word to use. Postpartum, yeah. Yeah, well, they talk about, postpartum is uh, the depression a lot of women feel after they give birth. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so postpartum, well, I guess so, it's the same thing. Postpartum CT career, you know, it's like you're on this. Was there a sense of postpartum for you? Oh, for sure. Really? I don't know. I don't really know. I don't know really know how you couldn't um, just because it's, it's kind of like make-believe world to me. You just travel around and of course you got to train and there's you know there's work but it's like you're getting paid pretty good money realistically all you got to do is like get a good result and all your problems go away you know you get money sponsors are stoked people are stoked you know wife stoked you're stoked realistically like a result or a good contract is really going to like fix everything, you know? But when that stops, you know, the music stops and you're not on the CT and you and you can't fix problems like that, then I think that's when uh the real <laughs> the real work starts, you know? Was there um 
at all like a, an identity crisis? Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. You know, it's, it's, you know, a lot of people time I say it, it's, it's like, it's basically like a midlife crisis at a young age, you know? And I think most, most all athletes go through that, you know, you, whether it's a, f- a football player or whoever, you know, and a lot of times I used to, used to trip me out when uh, a, uh, an athlete would retire and then you'd hear like a year later, you're like, oh, such and such, you know, whatever. He's like, whether it's a basketball player or whatever, like, oh, he got divorced and this and that. And I'm thinking like, how did this guy get divorced? Like, he spent his whole career and he kind of wasn't really around that much. And then, you know, for him, he's probably made like a whole lot of money. And he doesn't really have much to worry about. How did it, how did that happen? Like, weren't they just like taking trips and having really good times, you know? And then, you know, for me, when I when I stopped in a tour, I was like, oh, that all made sense. It all it all made sense because, you know, it is it is kind of like a, like a midlife crisis because then all of a sudden like everything's stripped away. You can't fix your problems by like with money anymore. And you really have to, you know, really dig deep and really, like, really answer all those questions that that you've probably been avoiding. Or you... Um, what were some of those questions um, that arose during that time period? Yeah, like, uh, I don't know, I think there's too many. I'm trying to think. Um. Well, what are you gonna do after surfing? Well, it's the biggest one. Like, what are you gonna do? You know, um. You know, you gotta dig deep there and find out. Okay, like, what do you want to do? You know, and then another question is, you gotta learn how to fall in love with surfing again, because all of a sudden you've come at surfing with as like a like a business like how can i make money out of it okay i can make money by winning contests and getting photos or whatever and then all of a sudden you 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 got to ask yourself like what do i what do i want to do and how do i fall back in love with surfing because i know i love surfing but i just don't really love it right now like i don't I, i'm coming at it with the wrong motives i'm coming at it with like what can it get me what can it give me well to me that's not really love um that's like a trade-off it's a one-way street yeah so i i just thought like man i gotta i kind of gotta do something else so i can fall back in love with surfing um and so that was you know that was that was one question uh and then what was the um what did that actually look like for you? Were you not surfing as much? Was it like kind of self-doubt? Was it like, uh, how did that <clears throat> paint that picture for how it actually manifested? Well, yeah, which, which for sure, you know, you asked me why my boards changed. Well, my boards changed a lot when I finished because I kind of didn't really want to ride what I'd been riding because I knew... I wasn't going to be able to put in the time, so I was never going to live up to those standards is how I was surfing. And so I was always going to come, because my expectations were so high, I was never going to meet those expectations, so it was always going to be a failure. So, and then I always, like, dreamed of surfing big waves and loved, like, just getting big boards and kind of just kind of 
doing my own thing, you know? And, um, so that was like still a dream that I had. And so I was like, well, let me, let me activate on that and, um, just see where it goes and see, and see what happens, you know? Was there a, a time period, like how long did it take you to come to that realization? Oh, that realization was quick. It was. Because before I even got off tour, probably like two to three years, and even for a while, I had always been dreamed about that. I always been like, oh, i got to go here, and I'm going to miss this swell. And so, like, those are always dreams in my heart from, like, a young age. So that was, that one was easy, you know? And then, and then again, it was... Uh, it was definitely a, a really good temporary fix because it didn't allow me to go like cold turkey on surfing. Right. And I was still able to like, oh, like I could do a little competitions, you know, a couple surf competitions in the big wave arena. And then, you know, realistically, you know, I, I don't really have to like perform on a wave, you know, like in the end, like most big waves, you can kind of just like cruise and come up in the pocket. And there's not really like, super expectations sure. of, of you to like like do much <laughs> and um it's the the most impressive way to go straight on a wave <laughs> yeah and so it, it was kind of like it kind of definitely you know helped me with a lot of the issues i was going through right um you know it was almost like you know a drug addict who was trying to like stop but he couldn't go cold turkey so he had to like still like get some surf hits in Right. Um, and that's kind of what, that's kind of what I was doing, even though I don't, I mean, I look back and I kind of go, I think that's what I was doing, which then again, it probably isn't the best thing to be doing. What do you mean? Well, are you really just like, you're basically just trying to stop the inevitable, right? You're just trying to wean yourself off, realistically, the the best job in the world. Right. Um, Were you still sponsored when you uh, fell off tour? I was still sponsored for a little bit, maybe like a year. And then I wasn't sponsored. Uh, But I still, the Globe always stood behind me, kind of no matter what I did or what my decisions were, which was a huge blessing. Um, So, yeah, they they were always there. Kind of no matter what I was doing. <laughs> right. That's that's good to have a, a long-term sponsor like that. Was there... Uh, h- how long were you on tour for? 14 years. 14 years. Uh-huh. Wow. And um, what do you think... Uh, like, do you remember w- what it was like? Like, I, I mean, to, like, go down a dark road, but, like, when you fell off, like, that day or, like, that, like, internal conflict? Like, well, you I know what? It was, it, it was... It was... You know, fortunately, it was... I knew it was coming and I knew it was there, but, and I prepared for it, but still even preparing doesn't, um, it prepares you, it prepares you kind of like, as like, I wouldn't say it prepares you maybe physically or like financially kind of, but it doesn't never is going to, I don't think you can ever repair uh, mentally prepare sure. of what's going to happen, you know? Um, so I knew my daughter was like, I think like eight years old at the time. And I kind of just felt the flame just kind of going down, like burning, like just like dimming away. Yeah. Wanting to spend more time and with I your just, family, that kind of thing. Well, I just thought like, this was a big realization. I just thought like, okay, 
I'm going to do this tour for like a couple more years. But if I'm on it any longer than that, because by then we didn't have financial backing to be able to take my family. So I was kind of just doing it on my own. And I was like, man, if I keep doing this, my daughter's going to be 16 years old and she's going to be gone. I'm not really going to know her. And once that realization hit in, I was like, okay, I got to get an extra strategy. So I tried to, you know, um, pay all my debt down, tried to just reduce any bills, basically so I wouldn't be forced into any job that I didn't really want. And um, so that was kind of like the strategy. And so I kind of felt like the last couple of years, I was kind of just like punching the time clock, like wasn't really preparing, wasn't really like doing it, but I knew I still loved it and I knew it was still really good money. So I was definitely still showing up to work, punching the time clock. And, um, but I wasn't really going anywhere past that, past the, really the work that needed to be done to stay on that tour. So yeah, then it ended up, it stopped and it wasn't, so it wasn't really like, um, you know, of course, maybe I wanted to be able to punch a clock one more year. You know, that would have been cool, you know. But in the end, it didn't, it didn't really matter because I knew it was I – mu- I knew the music was going to stop here soon. Sure, and the, and the motivation was fractured because you wanted to spend more time with your family, which is totally legit. Yeah, totally. And, well, at that time, I had um, a nine-year-old – or eight or nine, nine-year-old daughter and, like, I think my – so it would have been like six-year-old son and then one, another daughter that was just about to be born. Wow. And um, so I was like, uh, so in the one hand, I was super stoked to be able to spend a lot more time with them and like be there as like kind of more like a normal dad. But then I wasn't really prepared for all the other stuff that was that was going to transpire you know and all the stuff that I was really going to have to work on myself you know because in the end I mean surfing is a really selfish sport it's super selfish you know it's like so then you know you basically once that stops you there's no excuses to be like I gotta go chase this well I gotta go do this I gotta do that I gotta do that it's like well unless you're not going to make good money at doing that, like, why are you going? Like, why are you doing that? You know, and realistically, I'd have to answer that question. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm going to go take money away from my family to go, like, do a, you know, a hobby. Because if you're not making money, a good money at it, it's kind of more of like a hobby, you know, so. And you've also been doing it for so long. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not like going <clears throat> out and, uh, taking the first trip you've ever taken, you know, like that. I think that there begins to be kind of like a, okay, well, we're going to do this again or like kind of a, yeah, it's like an obligation to be like, oh, there's a swell here. Like I need to go get this swell. Okay. Yeah. Well, but see, get- that's where it gets, so that's where it gets tricky though, because then you, you rationalize and you go, I've never been here before. I want to go here. There's a good swell here. I've never surfed there. I've never been there. That's why I want to go do it, you know? So, dude, the mind can rationalize anything. So, um, you know, still just, like, slowly just, like, dying to all those things that comes with serving. It just basically comes with, like, yourself, you know? Like, um, I just felt like I was like, well, man, I got to, like, die to myself. Like, die to my, like, selfish ways. And um, it doesn't happen overnight, you know? And I think we're... 
um, sorry to backtrack, but just where the, what I also wasn't prepared for, where I think a little bit of the depression crept in and, um, and I wouldn't say it was like a gnarly depression by any means, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I don't, but it was like, okay, so at a really young age, I wanted to be like the best surfer in the world. I wanted to, I always wanted to be like the best surfer. So every time I woke up, I had a target to hit. I'm going to learn how to surf small waves, killer. I'm going to go work on this. I'm going to do work on that. Like in the end, I was always going to be the best surfer. So there was always that target to hit. And I think once the tour stops and there's not that target to hit, you wake up and you go, why do I even really need to wake up? I don't even got anything to do. Like, what's my target? I don't even, I don't even need to do anything. Like, I don't like, and, and I think with that type of thinking is where depression can creep in. Right. You know? And, um, so, so, you know, then I had to, I had to battle through that. Um, well, what were some of the most, uh, helpful techniques that you used to, battle that or, or like people to talk to or, or frames to to think about because I think that's that's super common you know to be able to live a life where you're constantly hitting these short-term targets and and you're clearly good at, at hitting those targets so to to reframe your mind to um, have another purpose you know mm-hmm. uh, and another reason you know to to get up and doing that was there anything that sticks out to you as like a really formative moment or conversation you had with someone or um, yeah you know I was I was a little uh, you know I was a little embarrassed uh for sure you know and um you know fortunately my relationship with with God and Jesus Christ for me that's what probably helped me the most um and just really like kind of just talking to him and just like praying to him and just trying to like oh gosh like get me through this like what why do I feel this way this is this is lame like um and yeah um would you go to church yeah yeah church um I I I don't uh go to church but I'm really interested to know like what that actually looks like like when you go in do you um you sit there and like ask specific questions no so like like, mainly it's it's mainly just um you go in and you just sing songs and you know you kind of just worship god you know and really like um i feel like it's kind of like a act of like letting go and kind of just like preparing your mind you know and um and you feel like there was a community there around you too that was was helpful to lean on for sure yeah you know i mean everyone needs a community you know um no matter what it is you know and uh and I think just, you know, mainly just giving all those worries to him, you know, just kind of like unloading those and just being like, hey, look, this is okay to feel this way, you know, but like we still need to, you know, put on our pants and get back to work and get back to to doing what he wants to do in my life. Yeah, I think that there's a big um, issue in our culture right now which is this expectation that we should always be happy. And if we're not happy or projecting happiness at all times, there's something wrong with us. But I think that feeling bad is a symptom that something needs to change in our lives. And if we can reflect on that emotion and come at it with a sense of curiosity 
like, wait, why do I feel this way? Like, what, what is this? Um, rather than this kind of like, okay, well, I'm, I'm feeling bad and I shouldn't feel bad. Yeah. So I'm going to try and mask that. You're a hundred percent right, man. You are a hundred percent right. And, uh, I was just thinking when you were thinking that was like, that has to happen. It's like, you can't, you're not going to have like joy without some, you're not going to, it'd be like saying you're going to go catch these awesome big waves but you're never going to wipe out and you're never going to be in the impact zone you'd be like you're crazy well you're not, I, I think that it'd be as crazy as saying you're going to be happy and joyful and but you're never going to fall on bad times nothing bad's ever going to happen and you're just going to be happy all the time like that's ridiculous like no like you know and and those and it's in those those bad times and in those like why do I feel this way you know, and it's really that kind of like soul searching and really asking those questions where we become better versions of ourselves. We become better people. And uh, I think it's not that people are scared to feel unhappy. I think they're just scared to really look at themselves and find out what the real problem is, you know. And uh, And that's hard to do, you know. That's like... You got to admit a lot of stuff and you got to be like vulnerable and you got to really, you know, like what were what were some of those things that you had to admit to yourself through that process? Oh man, I'm admitting self all every day. <laughs> um Ah, uh, goodness. Well, I don't know. I was trying to think of like, okay, like obviously we're talking more of like getting off tour, but I was just thinking even personally, you know, it's just like or just now, you know, I just think of like fear, you know, let's just like use fear, for example. Well, to me, fear is a punk. And that fear that I have in my life, you know, because a lot of times people say like, oh, like, you know, people are like, oh, you know, Kyle, you surf big waves, so you don't fear, you know, or you're like, that's crazy. I probably fear more than you do, you know. So, but then again, if, you know, Fear is in all different aspects of life. Like, I might fear something that you're like, I don't fear this at all. And then, you know, the vice versa might happen. So I think a lot of times is for me is like recognizing those fears and just letting go, giving them to God. Because if not, I'll want to. I've noticed guys a lot of sense will want to like fix things. Because if you fear something and you fix it, then you can control it. And I was, I'm pretty guilty of that. Mm. What's an example? Um, like, say your kids, you right. know, you fear something bad's going to happen, so you try to fix it for them so you can control the situation. But they did they learn anything? No, you just kind of, like, enabled them to not do something. Yeah, kick the can all further down the road. Exactly. Um Sounds easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's always easier said than done. <clears throat> but, um, and so, yeah, and I just would, like, and in the end, I would kind of, like, trip on, like, control people. Like, oh, man, like, I would never want to be that. Like, I don't want to control things, you know? And then I found out, like, with fear and how it would operate, I was just as controlling as they were. Like, even though I, was like, was looking at them, I was like, dude, you got a bigger problem with yourself like let's try to fix this you know because in the end it's like 
people are other people are gonna make choices and they're gonna do their thing but like there's always something that you can fix and you can make better and then i even related to surfing like like in heats or something if someone did something and somebody going like oh man i can't believe that person did that and you know and they did this to you and this and that and i would look at and i was looking i was like I put that on myself. Like that's me. Like I allowed that person to do that. I underestimated him, and he did that. That's not his fault. It's my fault, you know. And so I think it's just always like coming to situations and just going like, how can I be better? Like how can I handle the situation better? How can I be better? And really just looking at yourself. Instead of like looking across the table and being like, well, what can this person do? Or if this person did this, then I would yeah. be this. 100%, man. Um, I do want to ask you um, about big wave surfing and your transition into um, what's well, been, a, it's been very impressive to see what you've done there. Um, when was it that you decided that you were really gonna start chasing these big swells? Was there is there a story that you have for um, kind of like when that really hit? And you're like, okay, I can, I, I really dig this. This is this can be a new uh, a new kind of path for me. Um, well, I mean, to go way back, I think I was like 16, 15 or sixteen, and um, Darren Brillhart and. Um, I want to say, you know, Todd Chester was kind of like our hero at the time. He was surfing all these big outer reefs. And so I looked up to him and I went and surfed Waimea Bay with my brother. It was just my brother, Darren and myself, maybe another person, I can't remember, but it was like, you know, it, it, and it was big, but it wasn't like, and it wasn't like that big, but, but the conditions weren't that good. I think it was a little onshore. Where was it? At Waimea Bay. Waimea. And then, uh. And I just had so much fun. And I was like, this is the best thing ever, like, blah, blah, blah. But, like, at the time, you know, there was only kind of, like, a couple people doing it. And I was like, this is so awesome. But, like, you can't you can't really have a path, like, a career path out of it. So I just thought to myself, like, just do your career path and, like, love that and do that. And then when you probably finish surfing, then you can just kind of, like, sail off in the sunset and catch some big waves and no one you know it won't be a big deal like kind of just how it is now no one really knows no one knows these unless you really search out those guys at that time no one really knew what big waves they were catching it was wasn't really being documented and so you really had to kind of be like in the know to what a few of those guys were doing and so I was, oh that's so cool you know and and then I just went along with my career and then I always kind of had that in the back of my mind and then, but then it was weird because when I started getting to the end of my career, I was like, wow, this is on like the forefront. Like you're definitely not going to be like, be able to just like go to these breaks and, oh, actually, you know what, let me say at once, at one time when all the jet ski thing took over and like everyone was with the jet ski lineups everywhere. And I was like, I remember being kind of bummed because I was like you know what, catching those big waves and just kind of like doing your thing and just being with God out in these ocean and feeling super small is, is probably never going to happen. 
you know, it's probably just done with. These jet skis are taking over. And yeah, it's a much more solitary experience. Even if you're out there with other guys paddling, it's not that same. Like, yeah, and so that was always the kind of experience that drew me to it. And I remember just being really bummed, like, oh, man, it's done with. It's never going to happen, you know. like, And I remember just going, well, whatever, you know, just get over it. It's not a big deal. And, and then I remember when a lot of the guys were kind of really vocal, like kind of taking the lineups back and, and I really appreciate all those guys that did that. Who, you know? who were you thinking of? Um, I can't really remember, yeah. but I'm sure like Greg Long and um, Healy and even probably Dave Walsall and Shane Dorian and all those, uh, you know. Um, guys that are paddling. Yeah, all the, all, all the guys. Now, I, I mean, whether I, I can't – exactly say like what they did but sure. i knew they had a huge handle and yeah a huge there was a concerted effort yeah there was a huge part in all those guys i remember just secretly like kind of like doing a little little double fist pump <laughs> and then like in the in the hotel room where no one can see and uh and then i remember going oh, maybe you can still do that you know maybe you are gonna be with it. and then i was kind of stoked again and then but then when it came towards the end of my career i was like whoa there's like a tour now and like well, you can kind of make some money off this and like maybe you could do both you know not even like not only is like kind of do your little dream you had but then maybe you could like make some money and do this thing and um well you're also skilled enough with your small wave prowess to transfer those skills like you can be a really good small wave surfer and transfer that into being a big wave surfer but not vice versa uh-huh you know what uh, I mean? yeah kind of but it definitely took some time you know it definitely took a little you know time and you feel like there was a learning curve for you when for sure how's it tell uh tell me about that um well obviously just having the best equipment and really knowing what works for you and um well like was there uh what were some of the mistakes you made early on when you uh like maybe riding too small of a board what, um, what size boards were you riding Oh, I kind of just was like, you know what? I just want to like, I don't want to, I never really wanted to catch the biggest wave. Um, that was never like a goal of mine. Like, oh, catch, I want to, I want to paddle out and catch a big wave. You know, I was always like, no, those guys catch big waves. I want to, I'll just catch the smaller ones and, um, see how much I can turn on them. That was my main thing. It was like, I just want to get barreled and do a turn and to be, to me, the, on a big wave. But to me, I was never like the whole fashion of a uh, whole notion of like, I want to get a, I want to get the, the biggest, biggest wave. Yeah. I want to get the biggest wave or I want like, to me that, that didn't even, I didn't really care about yeah. that. Um, not that, not to mention that, not that, I mean, that was unreal to have that goal and those other guys do. And like, it's awesome to watch, but just personally, I didn't have that. Sure. Did you feel like you were riding two small boards at Mavericks? Um, or, or not at Mavericks, but like outer, outer reefs in Hawaii. I kind of felt like, oh, you know, I was like, and I, I just had to find my, my balance on like what I like to ride on certain waves and certain conditions and how fast was a swell line moving and what I, what I need to catch that swell line and kind of just really learning, like not only learning these, the different lineups, but learning how these swells moved, how they acted. Sure. sure do you have an example of that? Like um... Like, yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, I remember one one session at Jaws, and it wasn't like, I mean, obviously it was big, like really, really big, but 
it wasn't like the biggest day. It wasn't like when Aaron Gold caught his like biggest wave. It wasn't that day, but the swell period was like 23 seconds or something. It was like really crazy. Uh, maybe it was 22. I don't know. Don't, don't, uh, don't mark. <laughs> Some guys might be like, no, I remember that swell. It was actually 21 and a half. Um, but it was just so hard to catch the waves. Like, with the wind and everything like that, and I just, I was just like, even like, you know, a lot of like super gnarly guys were like, dude, I can't even catch a wave out here. Like, I can't even catch a wave. And it was just, so it was just learning that curve, like going, oh my gosh, like the swell is traveling like this fast. To even like catch that wave, you need this big of a board. Um, you know, like thinking you're just gonna like, Get un- get underneath it and just like do it is like not gonna happen, you know. Do you remember how big of a board you were on that day? I don't know. I think it was like a nine six or something, and it was just like it was just and people were falling out of the sky left and right, um, you know. And uh, so you started beefing up your equipment a bit. Yeah, I just started you know beefing it up and kind of knowing like and just kind of understanding it. Sure. Really, like, knowing, like, okay, like, look, if this is the surfing you want to do on these type of waves, you know, maybe the 23-second period isn't what you're looking for. Right. You know, um, but if you want to get barreled and you want to do this and you want to do that, this is more what you're going to be looking for. Yeah, so how did your, you boards, how did your boards change? They were bigger, and what are the, some of the specifics? Um... Well, I just found out, like, how to, you know, like, okay, like, backside, I, f- I figured out, like, hey, look, I could ride a little bigger board, but I could move around up on it more and make it feel like a smaller board and still totally be able to get barreled. Um, where front side, I felt like you don't have that luxury as much. So if you're going left, you might want a little bit smaller of a board. Um, cause you can't hide it as much. Um, yeah, I remember there's that wave you caught at Mavs a couple of years ago where you took a big bottom turn and then pulled up into the barrel and I saw you shift forward on your mm-hmm. board, <clears throat> almost like you're going to try and hang five on it. Uh-huh. And I think that most people don't, don't do that, but it's, uh, it seems like it stabilized you a lot. Yeah. And, and it's also a way that you can like. You basically take your long board and I just like hit it. So I kind of jumped up on the front of it. So then all of a sudden that 9-6 turned into like a 7-0. And then I was up on the kind of the guts of the board. And then it's less likely for the lip to hit the nose of the board when you get that long board out the front. You're able to like maneuver it more. It's kind of like a long boarder who gets up on the front of their nose and stuff and like basically like the whole board behind him is almost kind of hidden a little bit. They kind of don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Um, kind of that same theory, you know, but like, I mean, that takes, that took time to kind of learn those certain things. Yeah. And do you ride quads mostly on your big boards? Mostly quads. Yes. Yeah. Whether you're going left or right. Yeah. I just felt like on that initial drop, especially when you're kind of knifing it, um, I felt that two fins in the face of the wave is better than one. Why? Because it's more more traction, more, more control, more yeah, more traction, more control, and realistically, the only the only negative I find with like um, quads a lot of time is like when you're riding a smaller board and you try to cut that 
circle or cut that turn really tight. It doesn't like to cut as tight a circle. So that's kind of the negative on quads, but you're never cutting that tight of a circle on a on a nine-foot board, right. you know. So to me, I don't really ever ride um, thrusters on big wave boards. I kind of feel as they're more like, an, like they don't allow you to get top speed as much. Sure. Are you still setting short-term goals in your big wave career in the same way that you were, or in similar ways as you were on um, when you were on the CT? Like... Do you have goals for the upcoming summer or winter, like places that you want to get to, ways that you want to surf those waves that you will think about? No. <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, like I said, I just really trying to, you know, uh, and I have been. I've been falling back in love with surfing a lot more. And um, one of those ways is not really to set any goals. It's really just kind of go, hey, I really want to surf today. Let's go surf. Or, hey, look, this swell looks really good. I would love to go there. Um, and it worked out. Let's go try it. But then I also got to look at it and go, you know what? Just not really feeling it. You know, I got a, my wife is on a work trip, and I got the kids, and I have to say no to this trip. And, you, and I have to be totally fine with it. Like, I can't be like, oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. I just missed this swell. I just swelled a decade and, and you know, and be all moping around the house. I got to be like, this is what it is, you know? Hey, there's always going to be another swell. There's always going to be another swell, and don't worry about it, and just enjoy your family. Yeah. Good for you, man. I, um, I commend you on making that uh, – on – just understanding how temporary it all is and not yeah. being so ossified in your identity that you can't continue to move and learn. Because I think that people, um, it, it can be really hard for a lot of athletes. The story that you're telling, I think, is consistent with a lot of athletes who get a ton of praise early on in their lives for being really good at one thing. And then they fall off the edge of a cliff as soon as it starts to, um, as soon as they start to be on shaky ground. And um, I think it's really cool that you have taken the time to reflect. And it can seem as small as like, eh, well, okay, maybe I won't take this trip and chase this well. But for a professional surfer who's been traveling, you know, for your entire life, that is actually a really big mental shift to take and just have a kind of okayness and ease with those decisions and then move through life a little bit more gracefully. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I, it's probably been one of me, I guess maybe if you could say that was, if there was a goal I had this year is, you know, one of the goals was that, like, not worry about, it, like, really just serve my family. Um, you know, uh, it might sound kind of stupid, but uh, I heard this, uh, quote that mother Teresa said one time she said if you want to change the world go home and love your family and I, I remember hearing that I remember just kind of stuck because I kind of feel like that's what I try I've been trying to do this year um, of course I'm, I probably fail miserably but that's what I'm trying to do and with that is dying to those things of like going you know um a lot of guys, you know, come like, you going to go this way? You're going to go this way? And I'm like, oh, I can't, you know, like, because realistically, like, my wife served me for so long in my career, never said a word, and 
she's um has a sock company called tavi noir it's doing really good and and i just feel like you know what like not only do i need to serve her and her dreams of what she wants to do with this company but then also i need to be there for my kids and and uh and serve them you know but it's probably been like one of the hardest things i've ever done you know um straight up because it's you gotta make hard decisions and like and it's not just love it's like okay killer like I love you guys it's like a lot of love is in like it's hard love like okay like you're not gonna do this Damien and because the results of this aren't good and you know um and with the kids, you know, like, yeah, dad, you're the meanest dad ever, you know, like, okay, well, that's, you don't realize it, but that's me loving you by being the meanest dad ever, because I'm not going to allow you to do those, you know, I'm not going to allow you to do whatever you want to do. Sure. Um, so. Good for you, man. <clears throat> um, I, I really appreciate you, uh, opening up and being honest <laughs> and talking story, man. I, I, uh. I've respected the way you surf for a long time. And, um, I'm happy that we've had a chance to just sit down and talk shit for a hot, for yeah, a hot minute. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> so I, I've lost my voice completely. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I always just encourage people to, like, tell their story. Cause that's all we have, really. You know, and that's, and in the end, that's how we can help people. You know, you're talking about, um, you know, some bad times and be like, we can be like, dude, it's okay to feel like angry or mad right now or, or like whatever, depressed or whatever. Like this is normal. Like, Hey, but look, look, let's freaking, let's, let's, let's move past this. Let's get on. Let's identify what this is and like get through it, you know? And, uh, and that's what our story is about. So I, I, even though I probably tell it really bad and people might not be able to understand me, I do enjoy <laughs> interacting with other people and I do enjoy um I do enjoy people you know it was like that was another reason why I was like wow man I want to like love to surf big waves and stuff is half of it was like I just wanted to go hang out with those guys too you know it wasn't like to me it was like yeah there's yeah the waves are cool but like to me I always look at it as like these are just excuses to go hang out with like a bunch of different people a bunch of you know whether no matter what it is a bunch of wild men <laughs> and women too yeah i mean but even whether it was waves or or um a new company you're working for or a new job you know i always really just looked at it as like yeah like you know Expa expand your circles exactly people you're meeting you're hanging with exactly like um even now um probably a lot of people don't know but i i got a real job I actually got a real job, if you can believe that. Um, what are you doing? Probably the most, I had to go for the most uncorporate real job you could do. But, so I'm, I work for this company called Superlock. It's valves and fittings. It's like high, I basically tell people it's like high-end plumbing. You know, it's basically a high-pressurized valves and fittings. And like all, there's like a lot of these places just like behind this hill right here is like, biotech pharmaceutical um it's in like food kind of like manufacturing most things like uh need like semiconductor like those like you know like intel's making a chip or something it's like 
all this stuff uses it but it's still kind of i figured out it's still kind of like a niche market a little bit because like the people that deal with this stuff is really kind of specialized people um so i'm a sales guy for them and it's been a huge blessing it's been super cool because one i get to meet a lot of them really different cool people most of them are like mechanical contractors who are just like really hard-working blue-collar guys which has uh been rad to get to hang out with them get to meet a whole new people a whole new industry and in return it allows me to come back to surfing and love on it a lot more because i'm not coming at it with like what can it give me how can I make money out of it and that's kind of what my goal was to come out get off the tour and try to figure out another job I could do that didn't have to deal with surfing so I could fall back in love with surfing great place to end man (laughs) (laughs) thanks that's our show. I'm going to play you out with a song called Strange Old Place by Mermaid Legs and the Getaway Dogs. These guys listened to the podcast. They sent me some music, and I will link to their band page in the show notes if you want to hear more from them. Also, if you're a musician and you want your music played, you can email it to info at kyle.surf. I will link to your band page in the show notes on my website, kyle.surf. Also, if you want a voice memo played at the beginning of the show, you can record it on the Voice Memos app. Let me know who you are, where you're tuning in from, something you're pumped on these days, and email it to info at kyle.surf. Thank you once again so much to Tyler Garwood for donating on Patreon this week, and to everyone who donates on Patreon. It is people like you who keep this podcast ad-free. It's people like you who allow me to drive all over California and flail my way through these conversations with these amazing guests um i love all the comments that you guys send me my guests love it too um it really does matter and we have a a really cool group of people that listens to this podcast and it's been a blast to get to um meet quite a few of you since i started it so i'm gonna stop meandering around and play you out with this song by mermaid legs and the getaway dogs I hope you guys all get a chance to get out in the ocean and enjoy some of this south swell coming next week. Much love.